0: The eighth episode of Ukraine War Uncovered, podcast about the war in Ukraine.
1: Today is the 495th day of the Russian full scale invasion of Ukraine. My name is Pavlo and my colleague is Anna. We are Ukrainians and co hosts of this podcast. In this podcast, we will uncover facts and stories about the war in Ukraine, some of which you may not hear from the mainstream media.
0: We will provide you with key weekly updates about the war based on information from the ground, connect with eyewitnesses and experts directly from Ukraine, and share stories of wartime life inside Ukraine and stories of temporary displaced people. We will also uncover Ukraine, its culture, language, and history for you.
1: In this episode, we will cover the diversity issue in the Ukrainian army, challenges that are faced by women, LGBTQ plus people, as well as vegans and vegetarians. We will show you a real picture of their lives, how are they treated, and what the government is doing or not about it. So to provide you with a comprehensive and yet structured overview of the diversity issue in Ukrainian army, we decided to structure this part into three separate but overlapping blocks. We will firstly cover the LGBTQ plus stories, challenges and legal matters. Then we will move to the role of women and their challenges. We will wrap up with the treatment of vegetarians and vegans in the army accordingly. So to start with how many people identifying as LGBTQ plus are in Ukrainian army? Are they any at all? The public organization Ukrainian LGBT military for equal rights says that their organization has 300 LGBTQ p- plus military personnel, among whom there are 20 couples, and these are only those who have an active social position. It is believed that there are between thousands LGBTQ plus soldiers who are afraid to open up because homophobia. At the same time, to give you a broader context, accordingly to the survey conducted by the Kiev International Institute of Sociology in 2022, since 2016, the number of those who have a negative attitude towards LGBT, people in Ukraine has decreased by one and a half times, from 60% to 38.2%. Story of Petro about his coming out in the trenches of Ukrainian army. Source interview of village Ukraine. At first, only two of my friends knew, they advised me not to tell anyone because something could threaten my life. But the situation arose, we watched with the boys in the boiler room. All of them are heterosexual talk about some of their fights and then it was about someone's rights i started talking about equality freedom and one of them says petro why did you sleep with men and i said yes they they cursed quickly gathered their things in silence and left i was left alone went to wash and was already preparing that now they would all come to beat me but when i finished washing i heard voices saying petro Are you going to wash for a long time? I decided that they would be already in the shower. However, when I got out, we talked, and they expressed support. There were varying degrees of acceptance, of course. For quite a long time, there were homophobic conversations. They asked if I would molest them. Someone said that I need to get treatment. But then even these people apologized. It was difficult for many to accept it. But in the context of the war, when everyone can die at any moment, it was easier to accept. Everything was perceived differently. So that was the story of Petro. Now moving on to legal issues of marriage. On March 13, the Verkhovna Rada, Ukrainian parliament, registered a draft law on civil partnership, according to which people of any gender can register relationship. Civil partnership are voluntary family union that is partners acquiring the status of close relative. In the context of war, this is especially important because it is the only way for LGBT people to be able to access and make decisions when a partner is injured or killed. The Ministry of Defense did not support the draft law arguing that there are not thousands of LGBT plus soldiers in the armed forces and also noted that this draft law equates a registered civil partnership with marriage and contradicts Article 41 of the Constitution which states that marriage is based on the free consent of men and women. The LGBT plus military community dispute this claim clarifying that the bill does not equate registered civil partnership. To marriage in the meantime what happens on the another side of trenches russian anti-lgbtq propaganda what is that and why the report of the european parliament explains that russia uses lgbt disinformation to weaken the authority and importance of the eu and nato pro-russian users of social networks strike to discredit european states and international organizations in various ways taking advantage of the high level homophobia in russian society However, in this way, Russia also tried to discredit the Ukrainian army. From time to time, throwing into the information space the thesis that separate gay division are being created in Ukraine. That's it for the Russian propaganda machine. Homophobia, which exists in the society, becomes useful. Such disinformation humiliates representatives of the LGBT community devalues their role in society, considers such people based on solely on sign of sexual orientation. Such a person is allegedly weak, inferior. For a typical propagandist, a gay man is unprofessional person who can neither manage nor fight. That is why propagandists often call him gay in an effort to discredit a person, an official or a military man. To sum up, we are trying to be honest here. Treatment of LGBTQ plus people in Ukrainian army is not ideal, but Ukrainian society making its progress into acceptance and equity in treatment of LGBTQ plus in society and in army. In the meantime, Russia uses homophobic narratives in its propaganda.
0: Now let's move to the topic, women, success stories, sexism, uniform, and hygiene problems. Over the past five years, the number of women in the Ukrainian army has almost doubled to 40,000, says Deputy Defense Minister Hanna Malar. Of them, more than 5,000 are on the front lines. 7,000 joined the armed forces when Russian invasion began. If before it was a post-Soviet army, rigid and masculine. Now the army is becoming more correct and equal. The qualitative role of women is already much greater. They are now really showing themselves, says Oksana Grigoryeva, advisor on gender issues to the commander of the ground forces of the Ukrainian armed forces. Previously, women were used primarily in non-combat positions, telephone operators, typists, cooks, doctors, etc. The impetus for change was given by the hostilities in Donbass in 2014 when women for the first time en masse went to fight in volunteer battalions where no one paid attention to bureaucratic procedures. There were rare cases when a woman fought as a sniper but was counted as a cook or a typist in the headquarters, Melnik recalls. Only in 2018 a number of restrictions that still existed for women were legally abolished. They were able to legally occupy combat positions, receive education on a par with men, wear casual clothes, and go on business trips. Today, more than 8,000 women hold officer positions. This is almost three times more than five years ago. In 2021, for the first time, a woman received the post of General Tetiana Astashenko, the commander of the Medical Forces of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, became a brigadier general. There are a lot of phenomenal women, confirmed some Ksana Grigoryeva. There are gun chiefs, platoon commanders, and a lot of snipers. There is even a deep-sea diving instructor. Many tank women are more nimble and smaller than men. Sometimes it's even more comfortable for them to be in a tank she says. Sexism. Although a woman in the Ukrainian army is no longer exotic, it is still not the norm, says Tamara Zlobina. The army is not oriented towards women. This is felt in the attitudes of the personnel and in the problems reported by the soldiers. These are sexism, sexual harassment, lack of female uniforms, means of protection and hygiene, she explains. Another female soldier admits that she was unpleasantly impressed by the attitude of the command of the battalion towards women. We are not talking about any NATO standards, she said. We often encounter sexism and sometimes some commanders even humiliate women. Inadaptability for female needs in terms of life, the the army is also still oriented towards men. Women wear the same uniforms as men, finding a small size cap is a real challenge, and women are not provided with separate underwear or thermals. You have to buy typically feminine hygiene products yourself, such as pads or tampons, says Maloshna. All these problems are regularly addressed by thousands of female military personnel, says Ksenia Draganiuk, co-founder of the Zemlyachki public organization, which helps women in the army. Volunteers make or fundraise for uniforms for female soldiers, which is a unique approach that government is not always able to respond promptly. So, we see that the progress towards treatments of women in Ukrainian army is being made, not always as quick as wanted. But whether the government cannot respond promptly – Volunteers are trying to help.
1: Moving on to vegetarians and vegans, what the Ministry of Defense is doing about it. To provide a broader context, there are about 4.5 million vegetarians and about 800,000 vegans living in Ukraine, as evidenced by this study by the Kiev International Institute of Sociology for October 2020. In June 2022, there was a petition registered in the president's website to provide vegan and vegetarians options for those who need it. Quite quickly, the petition has gathered more than 25,000 signatures, and the president, Vladimir Zelensky, has already responded to it, noting that there is currently no food ration for military vegetarians. At the same time, the president instructed Prime Minister Denis Shmihal to consider this issue. Because the government is very slow and is not likely to change the situation soon, caring volunteers come to help the military so they can follow their eating habits. One of such organizations is the NGO Every Animal, which launched Vegan Kitchen of Ukraine project after February 24 last year. Volunteers in different cities of Ukraine prepare vegetable hot lunches for people who need it. Since the start of the full-scale invasion, the organization has distributed more than 31,000 vegan lunches. The project also provides vegan products to men and women of the armed forces of Ukraine and military personnel who need plant-based food. The most recent update is, as of February 2023, 28 dishes, 10 first-course and 18 second-course dishes, have been included in dry food for those who do not eat meat and animal products. For example, they offer bulgur with mushrooms, beans in tomato sauce, vegetable satay with soy meat, etc. There is no meat or butter in any of the dishes. The ingredients and sets are selected in such way that vegans get the same energy as meat eaters. At the same time, the cost did not differ from the cost of ordinary dry soldier. In addition to vegan and vegetarian, they are also suitable for those who are lactose intolerant or fasting. In addition to the main dishes, a vegetarian's daily set includes galettes, crackers, tea, coffee, honey, jam, sugar, salt, and pepper. These sets in vacuum bags can be stored for up to two years, without refrigeration. We are happy that at least some efforts is coming from civic society volunteers and caring people. Despite this, we believe that the Ministry of Defense and the government have to speed up in guaranteeing more rights and opportunities to those who defend Ukrainian land regardless of their sexual orientation, gender, and eating preference. Once again, we want to be honest and don't want to be critical or discredit Ukrainian government. We all need to understand that Ukraine is country at war and everyone is trying to do their best to ensure Ukraine's victory. But we also want to acknowledge that Ukraine is about equality and we must encourage it and protect it as well. We will leave the links to volunteers, NGOs who support all these groups in the captions to the podcast. Now moving on to the updates from the front lines. There won't be much news in this section as the Ukrainian military tries to maintain informational silence to protect soldiers on the ground. Nevertheless, these are the key highlights of the key achievements as of now. 29 June 2023, Hanna Maler, deputy of the Minister of Defense, said that the Ukrainian military regained Berdyansk's direction 1,300 meters in the direction of Klishivka. 1200 meters in the direction of Kurdyumivka, 1500 meters. 1st July 2023, UK intelligence has said that the Ukrainian military have crossed the Dnipro River near the Antonivsky bridge near Kherson and are trying to gain a foothold on the left bank. The original tweet of the UK headquarters has been deleted later. July 2nd, 2023. Ukrainian defense forces are advancing on southern and northern flanks around Bakhmut, and Ukrainian sniper groups and some other units are operating in the city. According to Sergei Cherwatis, situation around Bakhmut, according to the Institute for the Study of War, open source maps shows as of July 1st, Ukrainian forces are advancing in counteroffensive from several directions around Bakhmut, and we can see large number of Russian land fortifications. Situation around Kherson, according to Institute Study of War, is similar with Ukrainian advances in several directions and large number of Russian land fortifications.
0: Now let's move to weekly news updates. On June 27th, Russian forces conducted a devastating missile attack on Kramatorsk city center using C-300 and Iskander missiles, resulting in 65 injuries and 13 fatalities, including three children. This terrorist act ranks among the largest in June. The Ukrainian security forces apprehended the person who suggested the missile strike location. The award-winning Ukrainian writer Victoria Melina tragically lost her life due to injuries sustained in the missile strike. The incident occurred at a popular pizza restaurant in Kramatorsk, where she was dining with Colombian journalists and writers. The global literary community mourns her loss, and our condolences go out to her family. Amelina was also known to Irish listeners through her performance in Dublin showcasing her impact beyond Ukraine. A remarkable concert at Picker Street in April 2023 showcased cultural solidarity between Irish and Ukrainian artists. On June 28, Volodymyr Zelensky made a couple of important points at his performance in the Parliament. He suggested the Parliament change the bank holidays of Christmas from 7th January to 25th December. He said he supports the legislation of medical cannabis for those who need it and that Ukraine has to develop its R&D program and manufacturing facilities for this. President said that the target of Ukrainian GDP is $1 trillion in the next 10 years. Migration issue would be the largest post-war challenge, and Ukraine has to address it now. Ukraine needs to regulate the weapons and arms that people have these days to decrease the likelihood of accidents. The government will work on the custom controls without custom officers, tax controls without tax employees. All procedures have to be digitalized and automatic. On June 29th, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky met Thursday with Swedish environmental activist Greta Thunberg and prominent European figures who are forming a working group to address ecological damage from the 16-month-old Russian invasion. Thunberg said Russian forces are deliberately targeting the environment and people's Livelihoods and homes, and therefore also destroying lives, because this is, after all, a matter of people. On July 1st, President Volodymyr Zelensky announced one of Russia's plans to blow up the Zaporizhia NPP. They want to detonate it remotely after handing over the plan to Ukraine. Zelensky's direct speech they are looking for the formats and the moments. Of detonating that NPP we know for sure that the moment was considered as one of the plans that later when the plant is handed over to Ukraine to remotely detonate it for release when we get the station the IAEA should check everything clearly and in detail and warn Russia that we know about your alleged plans and they are dangerous for the world
1: also General Zaluzhny gave a rare interview to Washington Post that was issued a few days ago. Here are the highlights and key quotes from the interview. So, it pisses me off, Zaluzhny said, when he hears that Ukraine's long-awaited counteroffensive in the country East and South has started slower than expected, an opinion publicly expressed by Western official and military analysts. This is not a show, Zaluzhny said. Wednesday in his office at Ukraine's General Staff Headquarters. It's not a show the whole world is watching and betting on or anything. Every day, every meter is given by blood. Zaluzhny has admitted that he has regular conversations with Mark Milley, U.S. Chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff. In the conversations, Zaluzhny is frank about the consequences. We have an agreement 24-7, we are in touch. So sometimes I can call up and say, if I don't get 100,000 shells in a week, 1,000 people will die. Step into my shoes, he said. But it's not me who decides whether we get planes or not, Zaluzhny said. It's just that while that decision is being made, the obvious situation, a lot of people die every day. A lot. Just because no decision has been made yet. He also commented on the fighter jet situation. In his command post, Zaluzhny has a screen that shows him everything in the air at any given moment. The aviation from NATO countries at Ukraine's western border, his own planes in the sky over Ukraine, and Russia's on the eastern edges. Let's just say the number of aircraft that are on duty near our western border is twice as much the number of Russian aircraft devastating our positions. Why can't we take at least a third of it from there and move in here, Zaluzhny asked. Does it give Zaluzhny pause from trying to retake control of the plant as part of the Ukraine counteroffensive? It doesn't stop me at all, Zaluzhny said. We are doing our job, all these signals come from outside for some reason. Be afraid of a nuclear strike. Well, should we stop? Should we give up because of that? Probably answer is obvious. On this note, let us be patient and carry on supporting Ukrainian army and Ukraine's people. Together we can win.
0: Now let's move to a week in the history of Ukraine. On June 29, 1945, the Czechoslovak-Soviet Agreement on Carpathian Ukraine, Zakarpatia, was signed in Moscow. Then Transcarpathian Ukraine was transferred to the Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic. The reason for that was that Czechoslovak president Edvard Benet, seeking to postpone the inevitable incorporation of Czechoslovakia into the Soviet bloc, signed a treaty formally ceding the area to the Soviet Union. It should be noted that representatives of Transcarpathian Ukraine were not invited to the ceremony of signing the intergovernmental agreement. To give you a bit of historical background, in 1918 and 1919, the territory of Transcarpathia was occupied by Czechoslovak and Romanian armies. And in May 1919, the assembly in Uzgorod announced the decision to join Czechoslovakia. It lasted for the next 20 years till 1939. After the dissolution of Czechoslovakia's independence in 1939, Transcarpathia was declared as an independent state, Carpathian Ukraine. Immediately, Hungarian troops entered Transcarpathia, independence was abolished, and the territory was annexed by Hungary. Then it was transferred to the Soviets, as we just described. These days, the Carpathian Oblast has a total area of 4.94 square miles and is located on southwestern slopes and foothills of the Carpathian Mountains, covering around 80% of area in the region, with Uzgorod being its administrative center. Please, do visit the Carpathian Mountains. You would be impressed by the beauty of nature and the hospitality of locals.
1: Moving on to the word of the week. Trimbita is... Uh, from the old germanic trumba to trumpet is an alpine horn made of wood it is common among ukrainian highlanders hutsuls who live in western ukraine in 2020 a trimbita of 9 meters 22 centimeters long was presented it is the longest not only in ukraine but also in the world and claimed to be the guinness book of records and Trimbita was used primarily by mountain dwellers known as hutsuls, and gorals in the Carpathians. It was used as a signals device to announce death's funeral wedding. The tube is made from a long straight piece of pine or spruce, preferably one of that has been struck by lightning, which is split in two in order to carve out the core. The halves are once again joined together and then wrapped in birch bark or oisier rings. It is also used by shepherds for signaling and communication in the forester mountains for guiding sheep and dogs. The trimbita has trim that is much brighter that of that alpernon due to narrow bore and very minor flare. That's it for today. Thank you for being with us today. See you next week
0: actually hear you next week
1: in the next episode we will cover the topic of the reconstruction of ukraine that follows the ukraine recovery conference the largest ukraine related event in the years that happened in london at the end of this month stay tuned
0: glory to ukraine
1: glory to heroes